This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the channel nomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, as Lady said, I'm Larry Walsh from Channelnomics, and of course I'm coming to you virtually from my hometown, Boston, um, where I eventually will find my way back to, as all good Bostonians do. Uh, the reason why I want to, uh, I'm, I'm showcasing this beautiful harbor, uh, I'm sorry, I should say it in our na- native tongue, Hava. Uh, is because of my special guest today, someone who is very dear to me. uh, And I'm going to say a few more, but I'm going to introduce her right now, Heather K. Margolis. So Heather is the CEO and founder of Channel Maven. She's also the CEO and founder of Spark My Channel. And uh, and she has been a, you know, I I am proud to call her my, my big sister. She is, you know, a longtime collaborator, partner, and friend, and and truly is a wonderful asset to our industry, uh, providing marketing services and guidance to, uh, you know, to vendors and uh, channel partners, literally all over the place. So, and and something else that Heather and I share is that we're both from Boston, we both love the channel, and we're both Trekkies. So, I mean, in fact, we have a picture of Heather and I together uh, before her hair grew back out, of course. And it truly is, is that this was truly one of those magical moments, wasn't it, Heather? Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I have no comment. Like, you rendered me speechless. I don't know if that ever happens. Something Heather and I have been doing together for a while is we've been doing our sibling rivalry act. Uh, and in fact, there's a, we have a photo of I think the last time we did it. So, yeah. Oh no, that's the first time we did it. So that's yeah, Heather and I. The one when I'm like three months postpartum. Thanks. I was going to say. Well, no, I'm the one on the right. So oh. this is Heather and I at Channel Con in Austin. So I love how you, can... you know where we were. Like I just remember that I was at Channel Con. I don't actually remember what city we were in. Oh, no, no, I remember this vividly because as you can see, you know, for those, you know, who can't see this, who are listening to this audio over audio, uh, it's clear that Heather and I look like, you know, like sibling rivals because we could, you know, the looks on our faces looks like we can't stand each other. Um, And, but it truly was, it really was a true story. But I mean, it really was though, is that we walked in there trying to look like we were picking a fight. Yeah, they like to call it battling pianos. First of all, I need to go back to your intro where you referred to me as your big sister. You do that quite often. I want to make sure the audience is very clear that you are a decade older than I am. Yes, but you're 20 years more mature than I am. This is true. I just want to make sure See? that we're clear. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, you know, it's, it's all good. I mean, like, and I say that affectionately, of course. I know, I know. You yeah. never want to call a woman old or overweight and you just showed a picture of me three months postpartum and told everyone that I'm your big sister. So I feel the need to clarify. All right. All right. So let me make it up, make it up to you. The last time Heather and I did our act together on the road live was in Las Vegas. And we actually do look like we like each other in this photo. This is and very true. And I'm glad I'm not wearing that shirt again because I almost did. <laughs> We need to get you. We need to get you to a mall more often. Apparently, you know how much I love malls. 
Yeah, actually, this was that 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 one event though really was uh, one of the better ones we did. We had a great time talking about the synergies between marketing and go-to-market and sales strategies. We did, and there was a giveaway at the end. We had questions, and I gave away a. Do you remember? Oh yeah, I remember vividly. You know, Star Trek lunchbox. Star Trek lunchbox, and you gave away writers' tears. Yeah, and so for everyone who doesn't know this already, that yes, I am a, a I am a. Uh, I guess you could call me an influencer, couldn't you, Heather? So uh, for for right. Yeah, yeah, for Writer's Tears Whiskey. Then my from my good friends in Ireland, Wal, uh, Walsh Distillery, no relation, but I feel a kindred spirit with them. Um, wonderful elixir that I recommend to everyone, and I've given it away liberally to at events, much like the one we did back in, uh, that was 2019. Yeah. And we like did one, yeah. I mean, but we did, you know, we did do one last year too, but it was virtual. It was virtual. Everything was virtual last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I can't even, you know, it's, it, so for everyone, again, is that Heather and I were talking about it uh, just this morning. We're like going, did we do one last year? What did we do? How did we do it? It, it it's all seems like it's a fog of the, of the last 18 months. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember being in front of Zoom a lot, and I never remember what I talked about. So apologies to anyone who saw one of my 35 virtual events, if I said the same thing more than once. Well, I think that's the trick, isn't it? I mean, you know, you know, any good overpaid analyst, you know, it has the trick of saying the same thing a hundred times without without deviation. Wait, I'm supposed to get paid? <laughs> Back up. Where where are my checks? Oh, yeah, only if you're Canadian. Apparently, I am missing out. I do enjoy. I mean, listen. As I say to anyone who will listen. I'm a ham. Like, I just like, I'm super passionate about the channel and demand gen. And I love having conversations and, um, yeah, I'm happy to be, I, I prefer being on stage and traveling places and actually seeing humans in person. I feel like we're almost there. Maybe, maybe almost there. Although I just came back from Boston and my first trip in 18 months, 18 months since February of 2022. 2020, sorry, future travel. Um, and I felt like on the way there, I felt comfortable. And on the way back, there had just been a huge breakthrough with people with vaccines. So I was happy to be masked. Um, so some of you are probably listening and going, well, what the hell is going on here? This doesn't sound like the usual change in channels. It's because Heather and I have really uh, nothing to talk about uh, or we're not actually thinking about doing nothing, but I actually think about this as a, a almost like a metaphor, Heather, is that of some of the way that communications goes on in our business is that there's a lot of talk about, you know, how great things are going to be. And then there's not a whole lot of follow through on the communication. But seriously, do you think, do you find that though, is that there's a lot of, of act, not a lot of forethought and, uh, and it's, a, you know, a lot of things that go into marketing and communications across our industry really is, you know, comes across as hollow because it doesn't get thought through enough. I do. I feel like sometimes it ends up almost like a political campaign where you're like, we're going to make things better and we're going to communicate more clearly and we're going to give you the resources you need instead of saying, 
we are going to give you a resource that allows you to do this, 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 and this, and this is how you'll make use of it. And this is, these are the results you're going to get. So, yeah, I mean, I think certainly clients of Channel Maven are doing these things right and communicating well, but the thing that strikes me and the reason that I started Spark almost two years ago at this point is that we hadn't evolved any of our communications to or demand gen through in two decades. Like we were literally still communicating to partners the same way we had and helping partners drive demand the same way we had without taking a step back and saying, wait a second, partners may not be masters of demand gen, but the resources available to small and mid-sized businesses are better than they've ever been. And some of the partners are taking advantage of that. So why don't we pause there, Heather, and let everyone know what is Spark My Channel and how is that different from Channel Maven? Because, and I'll let you tell the story because you sure. being the founder of both, you're much better at it than I would be. Um, so I started my career in the channel. I was a partner. And then I moved over to the vendor side and through all my years, I felt like communication to partners and demand gen with partners really struggled. So I started Channel Maven Consulting in February of 2009. Um, and, and our focus really is communication to partners. So everything from newsletters and hijacking the channel chief social and, and supporting a lot of our clients in how they communicate and, and really build relationships with partners and also demand gen with partners. So whether it's creating content that gets loaded to another tool or training partners how to do demand gen because it changes every minute um, to providing partners with one-on-one -on -one support and, and really becoming that outsourced marketing agency for partners, always paid for by the vendor, either through MDF or, or something else. Um, and through that, you know, I always joke that I built Spark based on the traumas that I suffered in all of those roles where, you know, we were giving partners access to yet another tool. So if they work with 10 to, you know, 50 different IT companies, that's 10 to 50 different tools where they're loading their list and sending content directly through that. It just sort of, it felt inauthentic to me, especially at a time where we were enough of the like spammy social that was coming out, we were getting more authentic. And then we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic. So we're getting really authentic and you're seeing people's kids and dogs and, and the whole nine yards. Um, so we developed Spark such that partners can come in and see all the great content that they would have a really hard time building. But then they, they customize that content in such a way that it has their contact info, their face, their video. You know, they're saying, hi, this is partner XYZ. Check out this great content from my vendor that I work with. Um, but it felt more honest because we weren't just co-branding. We were actually sort of endorsing content. Um, so the, the content then renders in a trackable link, the partner can put it in their own HubSpot, in their own MailChimp, however they're communicating. And yet the IT companies, the vendors out there can still track how many clicks, how, who's clicking um, and when they click, but they're not actually seeing the contact info. So partners feel like their data is safe 
and by the way, we're not breaking GDPR and California Con Consumer Privacy Act regulations, um, but the partner has access to content that they couldn't build themselves. Yeah, and it's so important. I, 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 we, we talk about this all the time that, that there is no sales without marketing. And yet it is probably one of the most overlooked and underappreciated functions within the channel. Um, so we have, so Heather, you know, I always show up with some data and oh. I, have some, I have some fresh. So our new, um, we have new research that's coming out uh, that shows is that 79% of channel partners plan to, they want us, they want to grow in cloud. They see cloud as the catalyst of their growth and they're making investments in that. 80% do not have marketing plans or resources. And it is absolutely astounding that there's anyone out there who doesn't, who doesn't think that they don't need to project their value propositions or their capabilities in order to attract new customers. And, and even on top of that, when I'm talking with uh, clients of uh, Channelomics and we're talking about go-to-market strategies, there's this assumption that, oh yeah, we'll have this campaign in a box and we'll put it on the portal and the partners can find it and magic will happen. And there's, it just doesn't work that way. And even with the vendors, the vendors recognize that partners are just terrible at marketing and yet they don't avail themselves of some of the new resources like Spark My Channel provides. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're not going to change partners' businesses overnight. And for those who say, I have a marketing person, it's my receptionist, or it's the significant other of the business owner. I think it's important for us to realize we're not going to change that overnight and that the resources that we give to partners need to speak to that in some respects. So Spark Your Channel could very easily be a sales enablement tool, um, or it could be a marketing tool that if the partner does actually have a marketing resource that they could leverage. The bottom line is it's, it's for any partner user, even a technical person could go get a two minute promotional video, put their intro and outro in front of it, um, that they then, by the way, can use that intro and outro on hundreds or thousands of videos. They don't have to recreate it every single time. Um, so we're trying to make it as stupid, simple as possible because we know partners aren't going to do anything that doesn't directly benefit their business. And we don't wanna take them away from all of the great things that they, we don't wanna change their process, right? Like they've, they've got a process down, they have a way that they work with their prospects and customers. I don't wanna change that. I just wanna make it a little bit better, very simply and inexpensively. Yeah, now, I, I, and I think, I think that last part is the one we need to key in on because I, I've been saying this for a while. One of the biggest problems that we have in the channel is risk, that we don't pay enough attention to risk mitigation, that we don't quantify or explain risk very well to partners. And as a result of that, they are risk adverse. They, they don't, and, and again, I'll throw another good number on at you. You want to grow your business, you should be, you should be reinvesting at least 20% of your gross, 50% of your net or your profit if you really want to grow your business and expand capabilities. And what's the average partner reinvesting in their business? Somewhere between 10 and 
Yeah. I mean, it's just under under resourced and underinvested because of that. And, and I'll tell you, that, and you probably heard this as well, Heather, is that they're they see it as a dollar out, not right. as the ten dollars back or twenty dollars potentially back. And I think that that's part of the mystery of you know. In fact, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard heard a partner say that they tried advertising, it didn't work, so they don't do it anymore. Right. And how long did they try it for? Right. It's not like they did it for 18 months and it didn't work out. They probably do it for a quarter because they had MDF and they used it um, and it didn't work out. So they stopped doing it. I mean, one of my favorite stories, we were working directly with a partner years ago. I think I was still in Boston. So we're talking at least 11 or 12 years ago. And um, we were talking a lot about social and, and getting more exposure. Think again, this is a decade ago. Um, and about a month later, he contacted me and said, Heather, you'd be so proud of me. I found $5,000 and I went and got a billboard right outside my building. So, so mind you, his name is already on the building, right? He's in Florida, driving down the highway in Florida. You can see their building billboard right outside his building. And I put a QR code thingy on it. I'm like, great. So people are either driving 90 or they are 90 and they're supposed to slow down to, to scan the QR code on the billboard off the highway. Like it just, we need to make things so obvious and so simple that it doesn't take anything for the partner to see success. Yeah. So what is it, is, is there a disconnect? I mean, like we, we know the partners aren't doing very well with this, but why is there a disconnect or not a, a, more of a recognition amongst the vendors that, that rely on the partners to deliver results, to do a better job at, if they're not enabling them to do their marketing and their demand gen, that at least that they're compensating, and you know, by compensating, I mean, working around them or finding a solution that, that would help solve that problem you're describing? Um, you know, I think, first of all, you're totally throwing me off with all the Boston pictures. Like, you know, all I right, lived so, there right. until 10 years ago. So there are a lot of memories in different spots and you're kind of <laughs> so we, you know, Heather, thank you. you know, so everyone who can't see is that I, it, as, as Heather's talking, I'm changing my background to different background scenes around Boston. And right now I'm showing Boston Common, the statue of George Washington, which is a family, you know, which is a landmark to all Bostonians in a place that Heather remembers well from a prom night. So, <laughs> um, so to answer your question, I think part of the challenge is as vendors, your resources are much more sophisticated and much more robust. I once spoke at an event, IT company shall remain, remain nameless, one of the, the larger, one of the first SaaS companies to be talking about SaaS and the cloud. And um, their SEO specialist, there was, there were, we were on a panel and their SEO specialist stood up and talked about how they do SEO. And then I stood up and said, well, and, be, and someone asked him, what, what's your monthly spent on, you know, keywords and, and SEO. And it was somewhere around half a million dollars a month. 
partners don't have that. So to, to get your SEO specialist up to talk to partners, that makes zero sense. And you really need to go to resources. Like I own a small business. I have 30 people at Channel Navy Consulting. I know what it's like to have to bootstrap and do those things on a budget. So you need to be talking to people who truly understand partner companies. Um, and then I would say reward for the low hanging fruit. So if you have a partner who's doing zero right now, like on a scale from one to 10, if they're at a one, let's say, reward them for getting to a three. If they can go out and connect with some prospects on LinkedIn and have a successful conversation or, or get a couple of leads from a social experience, that's great. You should absolutely be incenting them to do the, the build the habits and take the steps um, to be doing demand gen better. You shouldn't only be rewarding the partners who, you know, do a 10-step multi-touch campaign. Not every partner can do that. And yet some of your partners, your growth partners, are really interested in taking those next steps and doing the right things without stressing their budget or their resources. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the, the, uh, the stories that we tell about how the partners and you know, look, the vendors are no better. They, they, they do have a lot of, they, they, they know that marketing is an art, um, but they don't do a lot to, enough to dispel the mystery. And you know, we, I'll even give you an example. Just recently having a conversation from, with some vendors looking for advice on how to do effective lead pass through. And I'm like, so what exactly is your expectation on this? Is that you went out and generated leads because the partners can't do that. And now you expect them to sell when your next complaint is that they don't sell very well either. And I think that there's a, there's a lot of just throwing things around to see if any, you know, and glomming onto whatever works, not necessarily trying to think more strategically around what needs to happen in order to find that level of success. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think at the end of the day, partners need someone to hold their hands a little bit more than, than we're doing. Um, I also feel like celebrate the smaller wins and, you know, we'll say, the partners don't know how to generate leads, but take a step back. Are you giving the partners just, you know, here, here's a three-step email, send it out. Okay, great. So I send it out and they come to my website or they never click because they've never heard of me. Like we're almost sort of starting in the middle. And it's also about the content that feeds. If, if we looked at the demand gen funnel, the content that we give partners is right in the middle of the demand gen funnel. We give them data sheets, we give them eBooks, we give them webinars, but that's not what fills the funnel. What fills the funnel are pieces of micro content that you put out on social or two minute promo videos that talk, I call them the pharmaceutical video, right? It's like, do you suffer with itchy dry eyes? Have you tried this hay fever medication in the past? Now you should probably try this. We don't have those videos for partners to be able to put their own contact info on. And if they send it from you, if they just send your direct video content, they're losing that lead. So 
we say that partners aren't good at driving leads, but we're not giving them the right things to allow them to drive leads. Anyone who's ever received an email from someone they've never heard of before knows you delete it. You don't do anything with that. That goes right in the trash. So if the only thing we're doing is giving partners a three-step email with three different pieces of content, of course, they're not going to drive leads. We have failed them. Yeah, no, I, actually, I thought that you were supposed to open every email and click on every link and then fill out every form that's supposed to, that comes across the transmatching. Especially isn't, the isn't ones that, that are from a prince in somewhere asking you, you know, to, to wire him $100,000. You know, Heather, somewhere in Nigeria, there is a wealthy man trying to give away his fortune and nobody will take him up on his offer. Just waiting for me to, to send him $100,000. <laughs> well, look, we've done a really good job here of saying what's wrong. So what's right? And, and look, I, obviously, I, and, and I fully endorse you not only spark my channel, but I also endorse the entire concept of our TCMA. And I tell all of Channelomics's uh, clients that they really should be looking into it because if the partners can't market on their own, then they should be using the automation to be able to offset that. But what does work? And you know, because you did say it that there's it's always changing. So what do we need to be looking at in order to fill in the marketing gap in the channel? Yeah, I think the first is meet partners where they are. Don't just assume that they're all starting from the same place. The first step is showing partners how to use things like LinkedIn to connect with prospects before they ever email them so that they're building a reputation with that prospect. They're building a, their own ethos around what they're smart about. Um, I also think the companies that are taking the time to provide their partners with some sort of demand gen training, and I say demand gen because it's not just marketing, it is marketing and sales. Um, the way that I was willing to get sold to 10 years is very different than the way that I'm willing to get sold to today. Um, and I think there needs to be a mix of calling and email and social. I don't think it's all, you know, I don't think email's out the window but you're wasting your time and your money if you send an email without first teaching partners how to connect with that prospect online. Um, so I think the companies that are training partners how to do demand gen in snackable bite size, like five to seven minute videos are, are really ahead of the game. And I think the ones who are also not just ticking a box, you know, like I'll, I'll talk to prospects sometimes who are, you know, vendors, IT companies out there, and they'll say, we have, you know, half a million dollars set aside for TCMA. And I'll ask what, what, they, what results they've seen from that spend in the past. And if it's, you know, half a million for TCMA, 100,000 for content, and no budget for that human interaction where someone is helping the partners actually execute, then I think it's backwards. I think we need to spend less on platform, more on people. Um, yeah. And having just eaten at a restaurant and any, anyone who follows me on Facebook or is connected with me on Facebook knows, I just sat down at a restaurant for the first time in a really long time, scanned a QR code and ordered on my phone and was like, uh, and you know, you've eaten with me. I never order off the menu. 
I'm like, yeah. I'm going to take this from there and that from there. Partners don't want to order on an app. They want to have a conversation with a human who understands their goals and their businesses and understands that they're different than the channel partner down the street from them. And they want a more custom experience working with you as a vendor. Yeah. I, and Heather, I saw that post, you know, you were asking, do you, you know, should you have to tip? And I was really, I was proud of you for asking. So I know you normally don't tip anyways. I, so. anyone who knows me knows I over tip. I just tipped it. I was in the air, the airport. I just tipped a hundred percent on my ticket because those people are risking their lives every day dealing with the, the people in the airport who maybe are not happy to be there. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things you touched on though, and I wanted I, I want to come back to, which is because I heard what you said about social, not just relying on email. And my takeaway is is that I should be sitting on my social accounts eight hours a day, posting oh, yeah. everything I can about my life. I'm posting um, while we're here. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I can feel you posting. This is. I'm gonna tag but, you. But. Please, Heather, we've had this conversation, no tagging me. So, <laughs> but what I, the real takeaway I heard or the thing I heard from you on that though is the content side of it. And content ranges from everything from the, the big honking research reports that we do at Channelnomics to a stream of posts on Twitter or Facebook. And what does amaze me is like because the numbers you were you were citing is that okay here's a half million dollars for the platform here's 20 bucks for content right and the, it, it's still something that mystifies me is that how did how did you know little value that anyone plays whether it's marketing or anyone else that they think content is actually free and easy you know i think um some content can be free you know, like I'll do a DIY. Here's how you have good lighting when you don't have your light kit. I'm back in my office. I don't have my light kit here, but I've positioned myself around lamps and, and a window so that it still looks like I have a light kit up. Um, that sort of DIY content is free and easy, but I've spent over a decade building an audience so that it lands. Partners might not have that comfort level and they might not have that audience yet. So it really is up to the IT vendor to create lots of different types of content, two minute videos, 20 minute webinars, 45 minute podcasts, um, re research reports like yours for someone to sit down. But all of that content lands at different places in the buyer's sales cycle. So you need to make sure that you're giving your partners access to all those things and then teaching them how to use it. If a partner comes out of the gate with a huge research report, I liken that to proposing to somebody on a first date. You know, you really need to have lots of different content for your partners to be able to be successful, which means you need to spend money on content. You know, you need to make sure... How awful would it be if you had that two minute promo video and then a 20 minute webinar and an infographic and a data sheet, but when the person who was going back to the final budget holder and saying, this is the option that I choose, what if they then wanted to read a 12 page research report and you didn't have one? 
like you, you narrowed from 20 to 10 to five to three, and you were the one of the three who didn't have a research report, you're out. Heather, what's, you know, cause yes, I've changed backgrounds again. This is actually everyone who's watching can actually see this is my, my classic white wall. So um, I have one I'm looking at, so I should have. Heather, what, if you only had your lighting kit. So, so uh, look, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to figure this all out? You know, is there, you know, you're, you know, you're a, a channel director, you know, you know that there's a product launch coming up, you know that there's, you know, that there's a push for, to get to the number at the end of the quarter. Where, you know, what's the, what's the thing that they should be doing differently? I think the first thing is just that, do something differently. I mean, I'm talking to people who have had the same line items in their budgets for 20 years, like take a step back. Don't just do it because everyone else is doing, doing it. Talk to your partners. What are they going to use? Because if I see another company spend half a million dollars on through partner demand gen that only seven to 17% of their partners are going to use, it's just, it's crazy making. Um, I would say do things differently, talk to your partners, take a step back, don't follow some arbitrary deadline. You know, a lot of times we'll hear, well, we're launching our new program in March, so we need to have our new demand gen program ready to talk about. Like, tell your partners, they can still get access to what they've always had access to, but for the next 60 days, you're going to try to figure out how to do demand gen better with your partners. And I think that's the biggest issue we have. We're forcing our partners to do demand gen the wrong way. So we're, you know, as you know, Heather, the internet only has so much time and space. So we're almost out. Um, I, I can't let the opportunity go just to talk with you, to talk about the transition that we are going through. Um, you know, you, we've referenced it a couple of times. I just had my first plane flight in 16 months um, and same type of experience as you. Got to work with clients in a room for the first time in a long time. And the event schedule is beginning to stack up. So at the same time, I'm also hearing about Zoom fatigue, also hearing about, okay, the webinars aren't pulling 500 people anymore. So is this a signal that we are going back to what was before that we are going to have to get onto the tre you know the travel treadmill uh, and will we go back to this over reliance on live events that everyone has always said are very expensive and produce inconsistent results yeah i mean i think i'm i have two small children who cannot get vaccinated um, I'm high risk. I think I'm probably at the end of the spectrum. That's not, not ready to do every single event that we used to do. Um, I also hope we learned something from the last 18 months. We can build relationships virtually. We don't have to spend on travel the way we were. Don't get me wrong. I'm super excited to get back together with my team and my clients and, and have those brainstorm sessions. But I think I, I won't do it as um, readily as I had in the past. I will try to, maybe we start virtually and then 
and build a more um, significant agenda instead of just like, hey, I'm going to be in the Bay Area. Do you want to grab coffee? Like, I think we'll we'll think a little bit more about it. Um, and I also hope we don't lose. Family became incredibly important in the last year and a half. And I hope we are prioritizing family and mental and physical health a little bit more and realizing that when we get on that treadmill, the, the travel treadmill, not the real one, um, that we're, we're taking away from that a little bit. So I just hope we're a little bit more thoughtful about it. And those who produce these events are more thoughtful about it and realizing that you can instead of doing four events a year, you can do some of those virtually and, and should. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And the note about the impact on the family is true. I, yeah, I'd say this, you know, as somebody who's flown 2 million miles over the last 15 years and then goes to all of these events, you know, many of them with you, Heather, is that, you know, I discovered that those phantoms that occupy the space when I'm here in New York are actually my family and they're kind of nice people. And it's, it's, it was, it's been great to get to know them again. Um, yeah. and, and also to say this as well, speaking of family, Heather Margolis, the CEO and founder of Channel Maven and also Spark My Channel, who I also consider not just a friend, a partner, but also an extended part of my family. You know, she truly is the Spock to my Kirk. So, Heather, thank you for being on Changing Channels. And it's, it's wonderful to take what was supposed to be an episode about nothing and turn it into something with you. Well, thank you for having me. And yes, very happy to have a much older brother um, be able to have this great conversation. So thanks. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us again for another episode of Changing Channels. We look forward to having you back again next time. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.